And look who's back. He had, back. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he's got his food. All good. <laughs> Three, two, one. Start the podcast. Howdy and welcome to Beers with Engineers, a podcast by Engineering Dads, where if it looks stupid but it works, then it's not stupid. Hurry up! Here, three blokes, Sean, James, and Patty, talk all things engineering, science, tech, maths, movies, entertainment, and news related. I swear I'm going to lose it! Anyways, sit down, relax, crack open a drink, and enjoy the episode. And so, uh, welcome back to this week's Beers with Engineers podcast. Today, we're not actually having a beer, we're just having a little soft drink. Here we are. There we go. <laughs> not as great. I'm having some crispy tofu and some sweet potato. We Yum. are eating a little bit of snack food at the time being. There's a Taiwanese fried chicken place near me, and uh, I've also made it a vegetarian option, so we've got chips and tofu for Jimmy. Uh, fair enough. Um, but it's, how, how are you feeling the food, by the way? Very good, very good. I know mm. where I'm... I don't want to really talk right now. I have a facial, I have yeah, a facial you don't chicken. Wanna, you don't want to chew into the microphone. It's not exactly a great listening experience, especially about what we're talking today, which is in a meal of itself, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you mm. that much. So The puns are unfolding. Oh, they're already unfolding. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. You could say there's a lot of labor coming up in the next few years. Yeah. Oh, it's it's it going to be a good cooling off period. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope so anyway. Who knows? Yeah, honestly. It's toilet itself. Yeah, but what we're talking about today is obviously Labor has won the the twenty twenty two federal election, and you were right. That was your prediction at the start of the year. Remember in the first podcast of the year? You, Did I say that? You, yeah, your yep. guess was Scomo would be out of office. Yeah, yep. I roll, so. roll the clip. In twenty twenty two, we currently have uh, at the start of this year, we currently have a bit of a conservative government known as the Liberals. There's election coming up in March April, and the Progressive Party will win. The Labor Party will win. Wow, he sounds like such a smart man. I know, he does, he is, he is. Um, thank you for bringing that in. You're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> but I, I look, it, there was a, it was a long shot. Honestly, going into the election, I was getting a bit nervous. But then as I see the numbers roll through, it was quite clear that Skoma was bye-bye off to Hawaii. A little April sun and Cupid sunsets for him. Um and for me, like I don't, I want to be more apolitical on the Engineering Dads podcast. I don't want to show uh, influence on one side, but as someone who works in the renewable energy space, it is. It was so frustrating dealing with this liberal government who were just shutting things down and closing down opportunities when there wasn't any. The only reason they were doing it is because they had backing from the Mineral Council and um, large investors and such like that. So for me, it was even it was, banks as well. Yeah. Like, and in general speaking, in with this Labour government, I will be both... Right now, I'm quite positive because of the, what the, some of the things they've announced, but also I'm going to be quite critical of them as well because this is the first time we've actually had a working government in climate change, not one that just denied it completely. So um, I want to move towards a more apolitical stance for the engineering dads going forward, just to clarify. But for the time being... Fair enough. Let's talk about what Labour will do, but not just for climate change, renewable energy, yeah. but for the whole engineering I, I, scape for look, Australia. I, I think a majority of this podcast will be talking about climate change because, you know, it's the biggest issue and it doesn't just impact the weather, it impacts the ocean, it impacts what food you can have. So I think regardless of what you say, it's going to be a, a good majority of this podcast, but there are a few other little things that I'll touch on that's come to mind as well. Mm. But even in his keynote uh, suspense. So let Anthony Albanese, now the leader of one of the greatest free countries in the world, Australia, he on his like first day of after being sworn in, he went to Japan and spoke with Joe Biden, 
uh, was it President Modi from India? Uh, I can't remember the name of the Indian, the Japanese one. Uh, yeah, and the, the leaders of the Japanese uh, and Indian nation and said the following words. We will act in recognition that climate change is the main economic and security challenge for the island countries of the Pacific. So that is a very clear message across the both locally and the world that climate change is front and centre in their minds. Um, so, it, yeah, you're right. It will be probably quite a bit of today's thing because a lot of the speeches and announcements they've made are in this field because it's been one of the driving like differences between the Labour and Liberal Party during this election. Yeah, well, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just because it's been such a big topic, but as engineers, we have a moral responsibility to act sustainably with every single thing we do. It's one of the code of ethics in the Engineering Australia mm. standards. So regardless of where you work as an engineer, every job you will do will be done towards a more sustainable initiative. You're right. And so, like, the the Labour policies themselves, they the policy itself isn't, like anything flash or really like changing the planet but it's a policy which was a million times better than what the liberal party was so for a frame of reference the there was a, a fund called the emissions reductions fund and it was put in by tony abbott it was about uh 450 million dollars and he did it over four years so over his period while he was in office 450 million dollars effectively what it did was instead of um slowing down coal or like putting a carbon price or anything like that. It was, hey, you're going to chop down some trees. We'll pay you to not chop down the trees. Here's like a few million dollars. And people go, oh, sweet. I'm not going to chop down my trees. Then they would just chop them down anyways and get paid twice. They had their cake and ate it. And so this ba- massive policy, which at the time was known as a failure, in 2016, Scott Morrison changed it to the Climate Solutions Fund and changed it to from $450 million to $250 million, so a massive reduction. Over 15 years instead of four. He diluted it down so much it made no difference. Yeah. And one of the policies they said was we have a target to hit this certain amount by this certain year. We were on track anyways. He got away with that quite a bit. Like you oh. would say numbers, but no one understood the frame of reference for the numbers. Like To put that into actual perspective of percentages, so by 2030, the Liberal liberals had an ambition to reduce emissions by 27%, which is consistent with a three-degree increase. Three degrees is terrifying, and this is why I'll be very critical of Labor's climate policy, which is only to cut emissions by 43%, which still isn't consistent with a 1.5 degree increase. So You're right. So Albo was actually questioning this, and I feel like this will come with knowledge. Albo isn't someone who's, I would say, greatly educated on the matters of climate change from a scientific point of view. He understands it's an issue, but it's good because this is the first time in government we've had a majority of independent seats. So there's a group called the Teals. Not and the, a majority of independents, but a, a majority of so, so, so independents holding quite seven, a bit of power. Yeah, we're talking about zero seats in the House of Representatives now. They hold seven seats, and their plan is consistent with 60% reduction, which is consistent with 1.5 degrees. Mm. So for kind of anyone who doesn't know, when a bill's passed, it goes through the House first, and then it goes through the Senate for discussion. So the fact that in the House we have more Greens and independents being able to push and go, wait, Albert, before you pass the policy, let's revisit the 43%. Yeah. And he might... They can hold up policy now and say, yeah. no, we want this. And this is the same thing Jackie Lambie, uh, Bob Catter, who at times when they held the power, they could get millions of dollars from the federal government because if they didn't get the vote... Like a billion dollar policy wouldn't go through. So for them, it was a drop in the ocean. But you're right. They now have the power, these independents who are all voted. So you've got the Greens, you've got the Teal independents. They've all come on a platform of gender equality, 
but primarily climate change and action on climate change. And they've knocked out so many moderate liberals. And people are like, oh, no, you've lost the moderate liberal party. Yeah, yeah well, well like, then they lost to moderate independents. The thing is, like, six, not so six of the seats held by independents were formerly liberal that were like, what the fuck? Like, no, this is not right what's going on right now. So I'm going to move to the Teals, which is probably a good move. Apparently the reason they're called Teals is because they tried everything and left. That's what it stood for, Teal. That's why they chose that colour, because they tried the Liberal Party and went, nah, this isn't what I represent. And you saw, saw it with, like, Zali Stagel, who first was the real independent before this election. She pushed climate change. She won the seat. She won Ringer off Tony Abbott. Like, that was the big push. Liberal heart ground. And now you look Josh Frydenberg, Dave Schwammer. Um, oh, there's another one. So there's one in Melbourne, one in North Sydney. Um, there was one in Hughes, which almost, almost won uh, Georgia Steele. I was hoping she would get through, but um, can't win them all. But the fact is they have a good majority here. And so we're, we're going to see, even though Labor's policy is quite, it's not there. I understand why. Because once you hit the three degrees to two degrees, the price to solve that problem really rapidly increases. And if we invested in it five, ten years ago, we would it wouldn't have cost that much. But now we're seeing bushfires and floods. So we're not just spending on reducing emissions. We can have to deal with resilience, sustainability, and like prevention and mitigation risk, mm. which is going to be expensive. Like a flood area of Queensland... That costs so much. If we had done things earlier, we would avoid this cost completely. But now we have to do both. So it, yeah. it's I understand why it's only 30 degrees and getting to 2 and 1.5. That's really hard. But I expect these independents and teals to really push the envelope, say, look, your policy's not good enough. And Labor, they've already won. They've got three years to, to say otherwise. They probably will do it. They yeah. probably will push the envelope. This is where more. we've got to cross our fingers and hope for it. Now... Someone in the engineering dads who's a renewable engineer, you obviously know the ins and outs of some of these things that are pushed. So what I'll do is I'll throw things at you that I know Labor are going to do and I'll see if you can sort of expand them and we can discuss them. And the first one is um, good tax discounts on electric vehicles. So how... Yeah. Okay, so the, the reason why you do a tax discount on electric vehicles is electric vehicles in Australia, they don't get the same ride as other countries. Now you look at Norway, 40% of their vehicles are electric, right? Mm-hmm. They have charging stations everywhere. They have discounts everywhere you can go in the bus lane you can park wherever electricity is cheap because at the time they were importing a lot of gas and that became really expensive it just made economic sense to click this way as well as like the u.s europe um all these countries have an emission standard so you know when you look at your fridge there's a five star rating on it right or a four star for me i've got a one star because my fridge was free can't argue with free hey as long as you have a star exactly well it's got (laughs) yeah so what that is is every few years they look at across the board how much uh, power your appliance is using and say okay you know what the lowest one that's now five stars if you guys want five stars you've got to beat that guy or girl let's be honest 2022 <laughs> let's, let's stop applying gender to appliances that was me um but what they do is so there's a five stars so every few years if you get a five star for your fridge that's great three years later five star means something completely different it's a lot lower that's what a that's effectively what an a, a reduction scheme is for mm. cars so cars coming to the market they say this is the most efficient car if you want to become an efficient car, you've got to beat this car. And so every few years, that standard goes lower and sorry, higher and higher, and the emissions coming out of cars goes lower and lower, so they become more efficient. Australia doesn't have that at all. So other countries like Europe and, and even America, you're seeing cars becoming more efficient and better. Australia's been a dumping ground for efficient, uh, high-efficiency cars. Mm. And so some countries will literally tax or really encourage car manufacturers to move in a certain way but then they go, well, we can just sell the shit ones to Australia anyways because they'll buy it and they're not going to tax us at all. 
if we move along this direction to incorporate more electric vehicles or even just put in some emissions standard for cars, we would see emissions drop. Again, energy makes up about 40% of emissions in Australia, transport's another 40 Yeah, That's huge. That's a massive area. So electrifying transport as quick as we can, that's a great way to solve it. But why isn't is one of the issues regarding this to actually start making the vehicles in Australia? So there's there's an argument for that. And in the last, like, what, 10 years, we've seen so many car manufacturers leave Australia. Toyota. Hmm. Um, who else has lost? Holden. Holden's gone. Um, Ford's gone. Um, there's a lot of reasons behind that. It's an economy of scales. We, it's very difficult to bring it back. However, Australia is in a really good position to do its own electric vehicle manufacturing. Right. Because all the other parts... You need the steel, you send it off, it gets molded, then shipped somewhere else, and then manufactured, right? So in, like, Toronto, there's one, um, uh, I think, Ford manufacturer that makes most of the cars in the northwest of the U.S. One station, one Mm. factory, right? In Australia, we have an abundance of lithium on the west coast of Australia, the Pillsborough. And so you see massive amounts of lithium mining that we just send to, like, China to manufacture into batteries, if we can make the batteries here and not ship them, we can then manufacture the electric vehicles which need the batteries here. We can open up a huge industry along both the southern coast of Australia and western side, and so Western Australia, make massive industry and bring back manufacturing to and, Australia. And this will potentially make electric vehicles more affordable for Australians as well, right? Correct. So yeah. one of the things is, right, so Tesla, um, they make all their cars are like Pasadena. Um, they opened up a new factory in Berlin recently and had one in China. Most of our cars now come from China with these really, really fancy batteries, which work a lot better than the previous ones. Um, yeah, just producing them locally would just drop the price for electric vehicles. And that is one of the big issues for electric vehicles. They're just too expensive. So just um, right now, just lowering that bar for entry. Because once you have an electric car, it's like having a really – it's like buying a heat pump, air conditioner, right? It costs more at the start, but after three years, it costs less to run and own than it is a normal heat pump, including the capital cost. Oh, dude, like thank God for COVID and working at home becoming a normal thing because it saved me so much petrol from driving to an office every day. Because like, mm. I have to worry about, oh, do I really have to drive here because it's going to cost yeah. me double what it normally does. So yeah, it's something I'm really looking forward to. Another thing you sort of touched on was the lithium thing. And I know that Labor really wants to push... Um, new emission reduction technology. Now, liberals were really driving blue hydrogen and CCS, which to me was an excuse to keep coal and gas sort of running. It was like, look, we're going to reduce emissions, but we're going to be able to keep coal open. This is why we're pushing these technologies. How would technology, you know, look under labor, do you think? Is it going to be more... Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I need to cut this out. So there's... I want to send an apology to the viewers if you're listening to this and you hear a lot of crunching and stuff in the we background. We're trying our best not to eat on the mic. We're failing, but all good is... Yeah, anyway, we, we apologize. I know it's a the giant... I know it's a really big pet peeve for a lot of people. Yeah, well, okay. Or an ick, as they say now. We're, we're, we're staying away from the mics. I can't hear you guys when you guys are eating, but we are eating. I can, crispy, hear, crispy I can hear you very clearly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to eat quickly. The answer question... <laughs> But sorry, back, sorry, James, to interrupt you. Back to James's question. So the question was in regards to blue hydrogen, which is like this liberal hard ground, and they yeah. were pushing it. They went to the Glasgow event and they had Santos do a presentation on blue hydrogen. Embarrassing, the world so embarrassing on the how great gas is. Yeah. So Awful. I guess my question is more so: Will Labor sort of look to see what they can do with what's already been proposed, or are they going to really go a different direction and go, nah, solar batteries? Solar farms, wind farms, mm. what, like what's technology going to look like? So what we're going to be seeing is um, Labor's been pushing what 
we call the ISP, so the Integrated System Plan. And so AEMO, who run the grid, so if you flick on a switch, they make sure power comes to your house. And you deal with retailers and networks and whatever, but realistically, it's AEMO who is like the puppet master at the top. So they manage all the generators out west or wherever they are and all the load. And they look and say, you know what, we need more generation, we need more energy. Oh, actually, there's too much, let's turn it down. They, they manage the entire network. Anytime you plug in, you plug in a, a solar panel, you charge your electric vehicle, Vehicle, you turn on toaster and make in the morning. They're the ones who realistically manage that grid. And so every few years, they make this plan and say, you know what? Based on just economics, tech neutrality, we're not favoring anything. What's the grid going to look like in 20 years? Can we manage it? And so what they've been saying is, look, solar and batteries, solar, wind, and batteries are the driving forces. And so we're going to see a massive explosion. Um, Oh, sorry. It's oh my of, god! Microphone. That was a really good um, sip of water. Too I'm much not, oil. Too. I much am gonna, oil. I am bleeping. I am beeping that out. Yeah, please do. Um, I'll bleep myself up. But um, so they're, they're going around this this ISP, and so they've released one the the, the twenty twenty two version, um, which has been looking at uh, where the grid's going to look like, and so we're seeing lots of wind and solar and a lot of state governments. So New South Wales under the New South Wales infrastructure plan. Mm-hmm. Under good old Matt Keane, Keane for Mr. Matt. Um, he has been doing some amazing work and he has copped nothing but flack from the federal government for it. But he, he's, he's an economic, he is a true liberal at heart. He's one of the only few people in the party that I actually trust in New South Wales. Yeah, there he's, are some great liberals out there, man, but they just they are, but they he, get suppressed. Yeah, you get suppressed. Matt Keane is not that. He has been pushing the envelope and he has made a, a policy that has driven massive billions, billions of dollars in investment. And you see this with uh, Victoria with the VRIT system, the Queensland system with the, the 2030 wind targets. The South Australia has been so far ahead of the curve. Tasmania is already pretty much 100% renewables. You, you're seeing states leave the, the, the charge. Um, what we'll now see is this, this overflow of solar and then you'll hit a saturation point. Then you'll start seeing some batteries come in and then a massive amount of wind in the, like the early 2030s. And then eventually you're going to see like hydrogen from the early 2030s to the 2040s start to take a place, both charging and discharging into the grid. And you see electric vehicles behind the meter storage, like mm. all these really interesting technologies which just have not been tapped into yet. We're expecting them to take off. We're talking lunar coin to the moon back in 2021. Not 2022 lunar coin, let's be honest. It's a... But, but it yeah. does no longer exist. Uh, does yeah. not longer exist. And uh, so one of the neither po- does my Doge coin. <laughs> does it, is it gone? You bought Doge? Of course not. No, I'm joking. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> Shibu coin. That's the word. Shibu tokens. Yeah, yeah. Oh mate, I'm I'm all about that uh, Cardona, bro. Cardona. Cardona. Cardano. Uh, can you not in front of the the microphone, please, Patty? Whatever. I can hear you. <laughs> um, Fuck you. <laughs> He's gone to the other room to eat chicken. Anyways, um, one of the things that Labor has promised to do is um, under the ISP, the Integrated System Plan from AML, is to put $20 billion to help support their transmission networks. So this, does this include upgrading the power grid as well? Yes. So what they're saying is, great, we want to have cheap electricity. That's what you think of. But it's the poles and wires, right? Like, it's great to have a massive big car, but if you don't have a road to drive it on, the fucking car's useless. Yeah. What they're saying is, no one's looking at the roads. And that's right. We are not looking at the roads. The two things we've missed out is leadership from the top and infrastructure investment. And now that we have a policy going forward, like this is how much generation we want, this is where we want to go, the, the map will be built. The road will be built following it. And they're just following what the, the actual experts have said what we need. So they don't need to be an expert in... Like you said, that uh, Anthony Albanese isn't an expert in this. That's fine. He went to the experts and asked, what's their advice? 
Yeah, well, like that, and that's to be a good leader, that's what you need to do. You need to listen to your advisors. And we've seen a lack of that in the past four years from the leaders we've had both in Australia and America. But all you need to be a good leader is ask the question, how can I do this better? Like no one's asking you to know everything. You just need to communicate. Yeah. And no so- one expects you to hold a hose. They expect you to know how to get more hoses held. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just sometimes good leadership is knowing when to follow. I think it's a, a summary of, of what we're trying to say here. And so like some of the things that they're trying to build, right? So $20 billion in the infrastructure, $3 billion to reconstruction fund to invest in new technology like green metals. So using green hydrogen in metal production, creating green hydrogen for exports, which is a massive export for Australia mm-hmm. in the next few years. Um, Asian markets fucking froth the idea of green hydrogen coming through. Mm. Ideas of like... What's green hydrogen again? So what's electrolysis, Paddy? What's electrolysis? Um, Come on, man. <laughs> fuck, you. fuck you. Fuck you. What's, uh, what's green hydrogen? Green hydrogen. So hydrogen can be made a few different ways. One of the ways that recently they've been talking about is blue hydrogen. So you get gas and it's like a long, long carbon... Uh, molecule. No, it's just, break it's, it's, it's just methane. It's just methane. Oh, no, you, 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 but methane. You, can, you can break it down to methane and other things. Yeah. But you're using usually natural gas. Yeah. Yeah. The point being is you get these long chains, you break them down, you pull out the hydrogen from them, and you go, sweet, I've got nothing but hydrogen, the carbon stays behind. Or we'll put that in the hole in the ground somewhere. That hydrogen that you've got is blue. Green hydrogen is you get water, you pump electricity for it, which is called... Electrolysis? Correct. Oh, I didn't get the soundboard ready. Uh, Your your voice was good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll do. Um, But effectively, yeah, so that's blue hydrogen. Green hydrogen is you you get electrolysis, pump, and then you split water, which is hydrogen, H2O. You get the hydrogen out, you take away the oxygen as well, you use it for something else. And that is pure green because you can power it with electricity that's from renewable sources. Mm-hmm. So that's what green hydrogen is. Uh, there's okay. also like grey and purple. We're not going to talk about that. And there's so. pink which is made from nuclear which makes no fucking sense I at all. I don't understand. Why, it's why, so expensive. Why would nu- wouldn't, wouldn't nuclear be green hydrogen? No. You're thinking of the Simpsons. Oh yeah, that's actually yeah. the Simpsons. Actually, quick question. What colour is nuclear radiation? Yellow. No. White. No. Red. No. Maroon. No. Pink. Black. No. I, I actually forget. It's blue. It's blue. If you look at actual nuclear radiation, it looks like a perfectly uh, that blue makes... pool. You, yeah, that, blue. No, that doesn't make like sense because when, when it, when it, was yeah. isn't if if nuclear, when I think of nuclear, I think of like extremely yeah. hot. But the thing is, yeah, like, it was fi- like a fi- long, imagine no, a candle when you. Yeah, really no, but no, but fire like the the no, but the thing is, a white flame is hotter than a blue flame. But it's not hot. It's it's a, it's like the emission radiation. It's not temperature. Because it's in water usually. Usually it's in water to keep it cool. So mm. It's got to do with like the length of the rays, right? That yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the rainbow. The, yeah, it's yeah. decaying of the photons and whatnot. But mm. it's blue. Um, the Simpsons have convinced everyone it's green. No, the that's, signs of no. If you green. if you watch Chernobyl, that's the one thing they do. Like once once it blows up, they're like, we need to just keep the water pumping through it mm. keep because it cool. if it's like you need to keep like the hot and cold like sort of neutral, don't you, or something like that. Well, if it overheats, it just melts down and causes. Stop like, massive... hitting shit, bro. I'm trying to talk to you, bro. <laughs> I'm using my hand signals. I'm an Italian. Hey, hey, hey. 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 Um, Anyways, radiation. But that wasn't even close. Uh, Sorry. Um, back on topic. The the whole idea of nuclear radiation, nuclear power creating hydrogen is so dumb to me because one, hydrogen needs a lot of energy to use. So you need something that's cheap. Nuclear is way more expensive. You're talking about two, three times the price of coal. At that point, just use coal. But wouldn't it what but the thing okay, so this is what I 
I don't know much about this subject, but from what I from what you hear about from what I hear about it, the more that people talk about renewable energies, it seems all it's it seems all fine and dandy. However, mm-hmm. wouldn't obviously that just make and with more demand for renewables, yeah. obviously the price may or may not will either stay stagnant or go up. That's what I'm thinking that will happen. But the thing is, if the price goes up, wouldn't the smartest thing for coal and gas and nuclear, wouldn't the, the smartest thing for them to do is put the price down so people actually want it more and it's cheaper to get? Correct. So what we're just what Paddy has just touched on is called the market principle of energy. So Australia is an energy market, and the idea behind it is, look, we have this much load. Who wants to bid in? And let's say let, let's say they're all being stingy. They say, you know what? It's all supply and demand based. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But but supply and demand is different from a market. Mm-hmm. So supply and demand is this is a supply, this is a demand that's meted. What the energy market does is says we use a price to mitigate how much that is, and it's designed to expose people to bid in the lowest prices. So let's say we need a certain amount of energy and they're like, you know what? The price is $150. We're going to pay, well, um, okay, sorry, let's let's change the, the, the market to be an apple farm. Okay, so you've got some... some no, people, no, no, let's, let's, uh, go, let's go back to the energy thing. Energy. So, okay. so, so I'll actually know what we're talking okay, about. Okay, so energy is like an apple where it's the exact same across the board and one person making an apple versus someone else doesn't matter. It's the exact same. It's an apple. One unit, one gigawatt hour, one megawatt hour, whatever, right? So you've got coal stations that can bid in. They say, you know what? I'll set an LNG at like, it costs me at the lowest cost, $40 a megawatt hour. Brown coal is like 40 Black coal is like 50 60 New ones are like $110. <laughs> um, nuclear is like, I'll do it for 200 I don't know. I'm rushing there. Um, but solar goes, oh, I'll do it for 10 I'll do it for 20 It's like, what? Uh, it's free. I'll take it. Uh, $10. It's like, oh, shit. And so what some of these plants are saying is, you know what, the price is so low, to, for me to even get energy into the grid, I need to bid lower. So they will start bidding lower and lower. And so we start finding this balance that everyone starts bidding in. And so it's like an auction, right? You go, I'll do it for 10 20 It's like, I'll take you guys. All right, who's going to bid in next? Oh, I, I can bid in for $20. Okay, you're next as well. And so it goes up to like $45. It goes, you know what, that's all the energy we need. You guys who bid higher, fuck you, go away. And they go, oh, shit, I missed out. I should have bid lower. So they all started exposing themselves to drive the price down. So what we're seeing is, yeah. So if you look at this website called OpenNEM, which looks at the energy market, it shows you the, the, the technologies that are currently competing and bidding and the prices that they're bidding at, which is really quite interesting. Problem is, right, coal have done this thing in the last few months where they've just gone offline. They went, you know what? We're fixing so this massive amount of energy, mass, a lot of apples in the market, let's say, are now, are now gone. They're all bruised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all bruised. They're like, oh, we, uh, something's wrong with the trees. We're not going to sell our apples. Gas prices, because of the Russian and Ukraine invasion, um, have gone up. And so the ones that replaced um, coal is now gas. So renewable projects, which we were saying, will pay $20 to bid in, are now getting paid $200 for the same amount of energy as a gas plant. And so we're now seeing the average price of energy go to like $300 a megawatt hour, which is like 30 to 45 cents of just energy. So you're talking about 45, 50 cents per kilowatt hour. It's still pretty high. Like Do you, which we're getting charged 20 cents a kilowatt hour. Yeah. And the energy retailers who give us energy are getting, are paying 50 cents a kilowatt hour. Yeah. So they're actually losing so money they're, right they're now. negative. Yeah. 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 So unless you're a gen tailor where you own generation and a retail arm, you're getting fucked right now. Yeah. 
I mean, like going back to the whole pink hydrogen thing, I think the principle itself isn't too bad, but Australia is not there yet economically. It we can't, like, it's actually really smart because like new nuclear, it's like 25 to 30 cents a kilowatt hour. That's the new stuff, I think, like from what I've seen. Look, I don't know much about it, but okay. just from whatever. 25 cents a kilowatt hour, solar's coming at 4 cents a kilowatt hour. Yeah, so it's still a lot, but you don't need a lot of nuclear to produce it's hydrogen. It's six times the price. Yeah, but I'm thinking proportionally to how you produce hydrogen, like the principle is you wouldn't need much nuclear at all to produce it. So would the no, little you amount... you need the exact same amount for both costs. Energy's energy. You, do, you don't need more or less. It's the exact same amount of electricity. You need the exact same in both situations. But so you're, you're talking about six times the price. But in the kilowatt hour, you're talking about the amount of time. It'd take longer to use solar to break, to split water for hydrogen. With nuclear, it wouldn't take as long. So would the cost balance out? Electrolysis is input-output. It's like a plugging in a wall sock. It's like saying, um, using solar will make my toast go quicker. It doesn't work like that. It's the same process, same amount of energy coming through the system. Mm. Any technology supplying it doesn't matter. Because that's the thing is you plug in your wall right now. It's sunny outside. Most of the energy is coming from solar. You plug it in at nighttime, it might be wind and cold. But you don't notice the difference. You switch on the, the, the socket. That's how electrolysis will, will electrolysis work. Electrolysis is process-based though. Cause so if you're using, using less energy, it would take longer to split the atoms up. That's why they're looking but, into, into catalysts. So like, if you just have a lot of solar. Again, it's, it's like yeah. the kilowatts... Price per kilowatt. Yeah. Solar and wind are coming in first. Even with batteries. So imagine you charged a battery with solar and they sell it to you. It's still half the price as nuclear. It's, it doesn't, it, nuclear just doesn't make sense economically. I have nothing against it as an actual like, technology. Yeah, that's this is what I'm saying. I don't think it's, now it would work economically but it's just in economic, the future. No, even we've had nuclear for 60 years. The price hasn't come down. We've had solar for 10 years. It's now one-tenth the price. Yeah, but and nuclear's gone nowhere down. in 60 years though. Like, I mean, they've like been building one every five, ten years. Like, it just doesn't. The work. actual evolution of the technology's got nowhere. But I think now we're seeing what's called like new nuclear, which I don't know a lot about. But I don't know if you've yeah. You've so they're, they're talking about these like small scale reactors. So you, generally speaking, you think of nuclear, you think of like the Simpsons, the big nuclear stations, and these power like states, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what they're talking about is, you know, what Australia literally can't even plug that in to in build wires to just send it out doubles the cost. So we're going to build a new small called um, the modular reactors. These mm. things are a lot smaller, a lot more compact. Um, we have never built one. No one, not a single one in the world exists. And they said, we'll come in at 12, 12 cents a kilowatt hour. So it's not, tri- even it's not it tried and tested pretty no. much. Yeah, and they're saying this is the saviour. It's like saying, you know what? I don't need to worry about climate change. We're going to be mo- moving in Mars in five years. How the fuck do you know that? Yeah, okay. yeah. It is, it's not there yet. And look, even if it was proven in the next five, ten years, it's a 15-year time oh, period to build time. nuclear. Yeah. We need energy now. Like, we're already like <laughs> suffering losses. Yeah, it's a pain. Anyways, um, that's, my, that's my take on nuclear. I, and by the time it comes economically viable, we'll probably have fusion drives. Speaking of all of this, though, so something I didn't touch on that I wanted to before we wrapped up was the whole quad that we've been talking about, how you got Australia, um, America, Japan, India. Now, Sean talked about that at the start of the podcast, just basically what Labor's doing. But one of the new things was that we spoke about was space. And now I reckon Labor's going to push a lot onto space because, you know, I, think, I just think they will. My fear mm-hmm. they get because the whole quad agreement is to put these satellites and they're called... Um, the Quad Satellite Data Portal, and that gives countries a way to monitor like greenhouse emissions and climate change and ocean health mm-hmm. over a satellite and pretty much keep each other, I guess, accountable but help address issues more. So it's like rather than monitoring it locally and relying on, you know, um, meetings at the Paris Agreement or whatever you want to yeah. talk about, it's real-time data that they can take into place and, you know, mm-hmm. really monitor and, and improve. So we're, we're looking at things that are going to get better both internationally and nationally. So. Mm. 
I mean, like, it would be useful, but again, um, I think US would lead the charge more than uh, Labor. Uh, oh, the Australia. Absolutely, Because, yeah. like, the entire world's uh, weather data is provided by DARPA out of the US, the Dude. department. What's DARPA? Uh, department of... Uh, it's like the research division for the military. You know what the they... Drones, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, exosuits, things like that. Things that we now enjoy. Like, for example, uh, aluminium was... Uh, the production of aluminium in, like, certain materials was done by NASA. And they just make it free. CSIRO, Australia's research arm... Invented Wi-Fi for free and then just sent it out to know everyone. And now how much better is our lives? DARPA invented um, the systems. Oh, sorry, the DOD, Department of Defense. Yep. They manage this very 16 satellites that have been up there for 30 years and they tell you every single bit of data on weather so constantly. If you, yeah, on this topic, if you right now look this up, you could literally go on America's map and see the wind direction at every state. You see what the arrows actually change live mm. as the wind changes everywhere in America. So like, yeah. it's covered. Free, completely free. It's yeah. covered in arrows. So. And you know the worst bit is? Weather channels go, you know what? We're the weather channels. No, you're not. You're using free-to-use data, putting into a nice little bow, putting it online, and saying it's your invention. The, Fuck you, it's the free least, information. The least reliable and trustworthy people in the world are weather men and women. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they're trusting the government's data and then they're interpreting it. Look, what they're doing is pretty much take going to a tap, bottling water, and selling it for $3 extra. Mm. The worst business models are ones who use free shit and sell it higher. Mm. Anyways, look, we've gone way off topic here, but I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. Um, welcome. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's Beers with Engineers podcast. Um, we will see you in the next one. Make sure if you enjoy the podcast to like and subscribe and uh, go on our YouTube channel. We're doing some fun projects there. Thanks for listening. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and I'll link below to see our other projects. Have a good one.